Would you be interested in fighting Apollo Creed for the World Heavyweight Championship? No. Listen, Rocky. Apollo's seen you fight. He likes you. He wants to fight you. Hey, now when you walk into the ring for the number one heavyweight of the world, you'll be ready. You're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crack thunder. You're gonna become a very dangerous place. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. A very happy new year. Welcome to Philadelphia. Yo, listeners! It's now playing's Rocky Retrospective Series. This Balboa thing is interesting. And you want to call it nostalgia, whatever the hell you want, but people can relate to that stuff. Hosted by Arnie. There is no one who can match his strength or his aggressiveness. Brock. You're the man, you're number one. The old people love you, young people love you. You're the man. And Jacob. I must break you. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we go with the distance and review all the Rocky films. What's your prediction for the fight? Hey. But be warned, these podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! talking about Creed, starring Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Tessa Thompson, Felicia Rashad, Tony Bellow, and directed by Ryan Coogler. This is Baraki, co-host of Now Playing. One movie at a time, one review at a time, one podcast at a time. This is Arnie. Hey, we're not singing, we're not dancing, we're podcasting. This is Jacob. Welcome back to, unbelievably, the Rocky series. We did this, what, four years ago, thinking, oh, you know, we need something to fill in here. What's a dead series we can do? Oh, I know, Rocky. And last time we spoke, we were making fun of it a little bit for having it go to Broadway. It's been on Broadway and back, and now they're back at the movie theater with a brand new Rocky movie. I can't believe it. I mean, I listened to some of those old shows. It was kind of funny to listen to how we decided to do Rocky because we didn't want to do Mission Impossible, which we ended up having a real good time (laughs) doing this year. And we thought there would never, ever, ever be another Rocky film. And, I mean... Another official Rocky film, things like Southpaw. I mean, the Rocky story continues. Yeah, there seems to be a boxing movie that comes out every one or two years, which I always skip because I figure, oh, they're just going to be some take on Rocky. I don't know how much creativity, what you knew you could do in the boxing genre, because Rocky is such an iconic film and overshadows all of them. And Stallone constantly is talking. and He's going to do another Rambo. He's going to do another Rocky. And so I honestly didn't follow the development of this at all. It was much earlier this year when I was seeing a movie to review for now playing in theaters that this trailer came on and I'm like, oh, Michael B. Jordan in a boxing movie? It looks like Rocky. And then Stallone (laughs) showed up and I'm like, oh... Yeah, that's one thing I noticed. Again, I don't have TV, so I don't see a whole lot of trailers unless I seek them out. I had to go seek this one out once I found out we were doing another Rocky installment. I couldn't believe it, but I did notice all the advertisements, you know, the posters at bus stops and whatnot. It all said Creed, but it was all Stallone's in the picture. 
Clearly, they were going for a Rocky movie, and this was written to be a Rocky spinoff. The director, Ryan Coogler, I don't know if you guys have heard of his other work. Apparently, this is only his second film. He did a, another one called Fruitville Station. That movie looked amazing, Fruitville Station. I have not had time to see it this year, and... It was one I wanted to wait for video on, but the trailers of that and the buzz around that is incredible, and Michael B. Jordan starring in it. I really want to see that, even more now. Yeah, and that's based on a true story. I don't know if you guys remember the man who was supposedly the cop went for a taser, ended up shooting a guy in the back on the subway in San Francisco. It's based on those events. Lots of critical praise, but Coogler, the director, his dad was a big Rocky fan, and so he kind of grew up around those movies, and he saw his dad get sick, and, and so he kind of thought, well, what would happen if Rocky got sick like that? And so he started thinking, and so he decided to do a Rocky film, just kind of out of tribute to his dad, and started coming up with ideas. And it was before Fruitville Station had even come out that he started to get this into production and go after Stallone to see if they could do this. And, you know, Stallone has written all those other Rocky films. Stallone didn't work on this script. It was all Coogler and another writer that worked on it. Oh, that's interesting, because I'll tell you, that's totally different than my assumption my assumption was they wanted to reboot Rocky. They reboot everything these days. And Rocky is a venable franchise. It seems timeless. And while it's always run on TNT, it feels like studios would pick that one for a reboot. And I didn't think Stallone would come back for a Rocky film he didn't write and direct. I mean, keep <laughs> in mind, he's directed four of the six Rocky films. Yeah, and this one is right in the line. I read a word today on the internet called Legacy Sequel which is apparently the whole, well, you guys are talking about The Force Awakens in a couple of weeks. There's another example of that sort of thing, that it's a franchise that comes back with the old people that are also trying to launch a new continuation. That seems what Creed is. Jacob, I heard all those stories you told us about Ryan Coogler as well. The one thing that I'm not sure if you said or not that really stood out to me was he took a meeting with Stallone before Fruitville came out. Yeah, no, no, yeah. He started this before that movie even came out and he had Buzz as this up-and-coming director. And Stallone said, oh, you know, uh, eh, I'm not really going to take that into consideration. And once Fruitvale Station came out, Stallone was like, oh, maybe there's something to that. This guy's he's no joke. And it, I thought that was kind of nice that still... <laughs> <laughs> You're only as good as your last film in Hollywood, no matter no matter how good an idea it is. It's this whole story is kind of like an underdog story to get it made, just like in Rocky. And that background story behind this movie is exactly what Arnie said. It's one of those things that the first impression you have isn't necessarily the actual story. And what I thought was funny was Michael B. Jordan, I, I guess because Coogler had worked with him before and is doing another film with him after this one, but Michael B. Jordan said, identified with Creed, you know, we'll talk about this, but a, a major theme of Creed is a man dealing with a name that gets recognized and Michael B. Jordan was telling some funny stories. He's like, my name's Michael B. Jordan. I had order pizza and say it's for Michael Jordan. People just hang up on me, not <laughs> believing me. Because, even my wife, when she's like, oh, who's this actor? I'm like, it's Michael be George. She's like, Michael Jordan has a son? I'm like, no, different guy. <laughs> and what I found kind of interesting going in is this one was distributed by Warner Brothers. So there's some behind the scenes changing of hands. I noticed a ton of titles at the beginning of this. I'm like, New Line? Forgot New Line even still had a banner to put on films. And MGM also had their Tiger. Their Tiger, listen to me. Eye of the Tiger. It went from the Eye of the Lion back into the MGM logo. So three, I noticed that too. Three studios produced this one. But Warner was distributing and their first time engaging in the Rocky franchise. And the one thing I'm kind of glad about is that this is a new Rocky film. It's a way to continue. As you say, you call Legacy sequel 
to me, this all goes back to Star Trek The Next Generation, doesn't it? I mean, sure. this is Rocky The Next Generation. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means. It's been a very long time since I've seen that Star Trek film. But what surprised me, I really thought this was going to be a Creed film and Rocky was going to be very limited. But this feels like a sequel to Rocky Balboa. And strangely, it's a sequel to, I know it's not the most celebrated Rocky film, but it's one of my favorites, Rocky Four. It, it felt strange how much <laughs> of the events in this relied on Rocky Fours and Apollo Creed's death. We will talk about it as we go through. I certainly saw a lot of previous Rockies, but when coming into this, when I saw the trailer, I had an instant thought. I'm like, and then I read a line on the internet that phrased it so perfectly. Creed proves that if you live long enough, everyone turns into Mickey. (laughs) Because I just realized when I saw this, I'm like, so Rocky's the Mickey and Michael B. Jordan's the Rocky. Got it. I knew what to set my expectations for off that first trailer. I kind of thought I'd get Rocky saying you're going to eat lightning and crap thunder. I was a little disappointed we didn't get that close, but... (laughs) I'll save my thoughts for how Rocky trains Creed, but there's, yeah, there's definitely some Mickey in this film. Why don't we step into the ring with a plot summary so we can get this party started? Well, as we've already said, Michael B. Jordan plays Adonis Johnson, the bastard son of Apollo Creed, conceived during an extramarital affair. Adonis was born after Creed died fighting Drago and never knew his father, and his mother died while Adonis was still a boy. But he is adopted by Mary Ann Creed, Apollo's wife, played by Felicia Rashad? Yeah, those Cosby royalties aren't coming in. She's got to do work now. (laughs) But Adonis has anger management issues, especially surrounding his birth parents. And while he has a college degree and a great job with a securities firm, he wants to be a fighter like his dad. He spends nights fighting in Tijuana, but is frustrated that Little Duke, the son of his father's trainer, won't take him on. Wait, I thought that was Adonis' actual brother. No, he's training at the gym that trained Apollo, and yeah, he's Little Duke. Oh, I didn't pick that up. I must have missed that. So Adonis quits his job and moves to Philadelphia to look up Apollo's old buddy, former heavyweight champion of the world, Rocky Balboa, played for a seventh time by Sylvester Stallone. Balboa is retired and just running Adrian's restaurant, but Adonis convinces the old boxer to train him. And the two grow close, with Adonis calling Rocky Unk as he sees Rock as his uncle. Meanwhile, Adonis starts to date his neighbor Bianca, played by Tessa Thompson. Bianca is a musician who suffers from progressive hearing loss, but the two quickly grow close. And Adonis draws the attention of another fighter at Mickey's gym as soon as first pro match is arranged. And with that spotlight, it comes to be public knowledge that Adonis is Creed's son, something that frustrates the boy who wanted to make it on his own. But that name gets Adonis something unexpected, a chance to become a boxing champ. World light heavyweight champion Pretty Ricky Conlon needs one last fight before he goes to jail for seven years on gun charges. So Conlon's manager offers Adonis a chance to fight the champ under the condition he changes his name to Creed for publicity purposes. Initially reluctant, Adonis and Rocky decide to take the fight and were treated to numerous montages of training. But things get complicated when Rocky is diagnosed with non-Hobgkin's lymphoma, a cancer he doesn't want to treat, having seen his deceased wife Adrian lose her fight against cancer. Rocky feels he has no one left to be with and wants to die. This attitude estranges Adonis, and his anger over Rocky leads him to be dumped by Bianca. But Adonis pulls it together and makes Rocky a deal. If Adonis is going to fight, then Rocky is too. So Rocky agrees to the chemo, and Adonis trains to fight Conlon. The fight happens in England. Rocky gets Bianca to forgive Adonis, and the young boxer enters the ring for the hardest fight of his life. Odds are that Conlon will KO Adonis in the first round, but the young man goes the distance, surviving 12 rounds and even being the first boxer to lay out Conlon on the canvas. Conlon is declared the winner in a split decision, but as the HBO announcer states, 
Conlon wins the fight, Adonis wins the night, as the underdog had become an audience favorite after all his hard fighting. And with that, Rocky and Adonis climb the Philadelphia Museum steps, waiting an unknown future in a possible sequel, as credits roll. We talked a lot about the timeline in our previous Rocky podcast. I thought we might want to start there because the movie opens in 1998 when we see little Adonis in what looks like Juvie. I'm assuming that's what Juvie is. <laughs> I haven't ever been there. In 1998. So if the math would be if Apollo died in 1985 and then that's 1998, he's 13, right? And then 17 years later is when this movie happens. That means how is the math doesn't really work out for me because that means Creed Adonis Creed would be what 29 30 years old I did the math on this because this was bugging me as well I thought they were fudging the numbers I thought Adonis was too young but Rocky 4 took place in 1985 let's say Adonis had just been conceived around that time he was born in 1986 okay so in 1998 we could say Adonis is 12 and then jumping forward to present day Adonis would be about 30. And I thought that Adonis seemed younger than 30, but I looked it up. Michael B. Jordan was born in 87. So if Adonis was born in 86, they're pretty close there. Yeah, and you can also say this movie took place last year. You didn't have to take place in 2015. It could be 2014, and that could also help them a little bit as well. Yeah, I still think when you're starting to push 30, it's a little old to get into boxing. You want to get in there a little bit younger. But what really shocked me, I was trying to think. I'm like, wait, did Apollo have a kid? Did we ever see him with a kid? I remember seeing his wife, and you get this whole intro at the juvenile hall, and Felissa Rashad walks in as Mrs. Creed, and I'm like, dang, that's cold. That lady's got money, and they're throwing their kid in juvie hall. They could have done something better, <laughs> but no. This is, I think this is an interesting way to go. It's, he's this bastard child. He is kind of the shame of Apollo that no one knew about, and so that would make sense that years later she would find out that there was this son, and she wants to help him, having lost her husband. I love the way this movie opens opens doing that because the movie is entitled Creed. I see this boy getting into fights in Juvie Hall and he's a good fighter. I'm like, well, there's young Creed. The trailer spoiled quite a few things, but they never spoiled for me at least that this guy was Creed's illegitimate son and that he didn't have the name of Creed. And that's going to become a really big point in this film. And I think it's incredibly well done in that regard. It's that I was as shocked as anybody when Felicia Rashad walks in and I can tell from the clothes and things, even though she never played Creed's wife before, I did have to look it up. But I'm like, (laughs) I didn't think Miss Huxtable was in that. No, she had Kid Cosby money going on in 85. Yeah, we would have recognized her in Rocky IV, and they kept the same wife all through the first four movies. And to answer your question really quickly, I think we did see a kid running around when Apollo was obsessed with the letters in Rocky II. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we did see kids there. I, my thing with Felicia Rashad in the beginning, because before we knew that he was illegitimate, I said to myself, this woman's way too old to play this kid's mom. And the way they unfold the background on this character, I thought of Jacob right there in the theater. Jacob's a huge, of all three of us, he loves Apollo Creed and always wants this Apollo Creed movie. Does this at all change the character and how we see the character that we knew of Apollo in the first four movies? Or would that character actually have an affair outside of his marriage. Now you're sounding like the HBO commentators or the ESPN commentators of the film who ask that same question once the news gets out. I don't think it does. And, you know, look, people of power, people, sports figures, this kind of stuff goes on. Even for people without power, this kind of stuff goes on. Yes, exactly. But I I think you always hear about sports stars. I mean, Lamar Odom's laid out in a whorehouse and Kobe Bryant's had his thing. Wilt Chamberlain, supposedly thousands of women. I mean, it's not that 
that far-fetched. I think it's an interesting angle. I actually wish it's an angle that was explored more. It's kind of, they have a little montage of, oh, is this shaming the Apollo Creed legacy? And then it kind of moves on. I thought this would have been an interesting angle that they could have actually explored a little bit more. I didn't think much of it. When the ESPN commentators were talking about, does this damage Apollo's legacy? I'm like, is this the 70s? I think this is like, it's more uncommon to not have an illegitimate. Hell, Charlie Chaplin had illegitimate kids in the 40s and 50s. It's like, and? I just think this is an interesting development for a movie entitled Creed. I wasn't KO'd, but I was at least stunned that the main character wasn't named Creed. And so that was a great way to get me into the film is like, A, I'm wondering about the timeline, but B, I'm wondering about just the title of this film. Is it just Creed's legacy? Is this going to be more about Apollo than about this kid? It handles it right. Yeah, no, I got chills. Like you get Felissa Rashad, she comes into this cell that Adonis has been put in because he had just gotten in a fight and, you know, she's like, I, I want to adopt you. She's And what's your name? And then it just cuts those letters Creed. I'm like, damn, that could have just been the trailer right there because I got chills when that name came up, even though we don't really know his backstory yet. Like th- that got me into this film because, yeah, like I said, I feel for Creed in those other films. I in Coogler, the director, feels for Creed. He's like, I never felt there was a good guy and a bad guy in those early Rocky films. He's like, I felt like Creed and Rocky were both characters characters you could look up to and as a director of color like he was as much into creed as his dad was into rocky growing <laughs> up on the films all three of us love the character of apollo through the movies too especially jacob so i think it was really a, gr- a great idea if they're going to do a sequel to rocky i want them to do something like this i thought this plot this idea of having his son go forward is a much stronger choice than, say, Rocky's son doing it. That'd be kind of lame. Yeah, Rocky's son is in Vancouver now, where, uh, surprisingly, this film wasn't filmed. But <laughs> most are now these days. You mentioned Rocky's son. Keep in mind, this movie here is basically the plot of Rocky V. The whole point of Rocky V initially, before it was that other jerk hole... Tommy the Machine Gun. Yeah, Tommy Gun. It was going to be Rocky training his son to fight, and then his son turns against Rocky, and the two of them have to fight. They decided to not go that route. And we saw that in Rocky Balboa as well. There was a lot of tension because the son was trying to make it on his own, and everyone just treated him as Rocky's son because of his last name. Yeah, so I felt like this was kind of a retelling of Rocky V done better in a lot of ways. I was wondering, I'm like, is Creed going to like not like Rocky's training? Because it takes a long time for Rocky to finally train in a bike. Is he going to go with someone else? Are you going to get Rocky Five all over again here? <laughs> I had one question about little Adonis and Juvie. Why is he so into fighting? I mean, when we're introduced to him, we're introduced to the social worker talking to Marianne Creed, and the social worker's like, he's a great boy. He just... And then Marianne says, fights. He's a fighter. He has no idea who his dad is at this point. So is he just got a bad temper? I mean, obviously there's some genetic disposition to being a good fighter because that little kid's kicking ass. Well, he knows who his dad is. I mean, his mom died later. No, he doesn't. No, he has no idea. Okay. I assumed the mother would have said, oh yeah, Creed's really your dad at some point, but that, okay. So he didn't know who his father was at, at all? No, he asks Marianne, what was my daddy's name? 
He has no idea he has a father. Yeah, this was a problem for me is why is he into fighting? I I would have liked it more. Okay, he finds out his dad was Apollo Creed and starts looking into him and he's trying to find some kind of roots with his dad and gets into boxing that way. But no, this is a guy that's always enjoyed fighting. We're going to jump cut and he's fighting in Tijuana all of a sudden. It's just he's always wanted to box, it appears. Well, for me, it worked a lot because this guy, if being Apollo Creed's son, has money. And so he doesn't really, quote unquote, need to fight. Rocky calls it out later in the movie. Why do you need to do this? You don't, you know, et cetera. And it's ingrained in his DNA that he has to fight. And that completely works for me that he just a scrapper since he was a boy. I'll say this. Apollo was certainly better at money management than Rocky was. <laughs> I know. His wife yes. still got all the money. Still got the mansion. I figured after he died, maybe this creed would grow up in poverty. I mean, Rocky lost his fortune like three different times in three different movies. <laughs> well, come on. Let's get, you know, Paulie did give that power of attorney to his accountant when he went to Russia. I mean, come on. Don't forget that major <laughs> plot point in Rocky Four. <laughs> yeah, Apollo literally died when he fought the Russians. Rocky financially died when he fought the Russians. I wish there was a little bit more of the growing up. I like how pre-credits, he finds out he's a creed, but then when we jump to the fight in Tijuana, I would have liked to know a little bit more what happened in the intermediate years. And we don't really get told. I think we're just supposed to assume where we find him. Yeah, as he's approaching 30 is where he's been for 15 years. I think we get that, Arnie, in the next scene after Tijuana, because we find him after he fights. He's at a financial firm and he just made partner. And to me, it tells me the entire story that he has he has went to college. He has a good job. He's making it away for himself in the business world and that he doesn't need to fight that he's fighting for some other reason. I think all your questions are answered. Yeah, and I get everything I need to know in that fight in Tijuana. Like he knocks that guy out and he starts untaping his gloves during the 10 count. He doesn't even wait. He knows. So that tells me this guy's been fighting for a while. Yeah, it's been in Tijuana. It's obviously something he hasn't been able to do professionally. And then like you said, Brock, we see him at his day job. And I, I think it tells us a lot without having to give us exposition. And Jacob, I loved that moment when he started taking off his gloves and i gotta say when he started walking out of the dressing room to the ring that is the moment i knew well i kind of knew it also in the juvie hall because the same thing happened we followed the camera made it look like it's one shot all the way to the fight in juvie and then again we follow adonis as he's walking through the hall into the ring and the fight starts it's supposed to look like one take and i could tell the filmmaking here is such a different quality and different kind of essence that we've ever seen before that they're doing all the right things here for me to take all those doubts out of my mind about oh god another rocky movie with the quality of the filmmaking well the one thing i'm going to say that takes away from the storytelling that took me out of the movie that was a director's choice i'm assuming is every time they freeze frame on one of creed's opponents and give you all the stats oh god it felt like i was in a video game that they were giving me the stats before going in i mean admittedly the video game i'm thinking of is mike tyson's punch out yes. but still <laughs> <laughs> I would really like it if we weren't doing this as a theatrical release. I'm very curious if I were to play Rocky on one television and sync Creed on another, how many beats hit at the same moment? Because while this is a Rocky sequel, I feel this is almost a Rocky remake with certain things turned on their head like a lot of reboots do. And we start off in this fight in Tijuana just like we started off with Rocky fighting in that church, you know, this down and dirty fight that he's doing, not for prestige, not for title, but he's doing it. 
He doesn't need the money, but that's what the fights are for is a little bit of money. And I'm like, okay, he's starting off just like Rocky. The inverse being that he does have a really nice job and he's really intelligent, whereas Rocky was a knee breaker who was really unintelligent. Yeah, this feels like a sequel and a reboot at the same time, which I think in these days where we get reboots and sequels and we're always trying to do a remake, trying to parse out all these different kinds of ways franchises restart I, I think this is a pretty good way to do it if you want to reboot the rocky franchise yeah I, it, to me this really feels a lot like a rocky remake as it hits all these different beats and they use similar imagery but it, it's also definitely a sequel I, I, i'm surprised how much of a sequel to rocky balboa this feels like and uh, I do wonder if, if someone came in and this was their first finger quotes, Rocky movie, it's really called Creed, but would they get the whole backstory? I don't know if we get enough time about Apollo, we'll get some shots, we'll see some fights on YouTube between Apollo and Rocky. I don't know if you would get the whole richness of what Adonis is going through in this legacy he's working up with. That's the only fault I think I could give it as coming in on this as your first Rocky film or Creed film, that, that there is some history I think you need to really get the character. I love when he's watching YouTube and he gets into fight. And here's where the theme of the film really came clear to me. He's learning to fight, but he doesn't want to fight Rocky with his dad. He wants to fight his dad with Rocky. He's throwing the punches Rocky throws. Yeah, he's on Rocky's side. <laughs> yeah, it really told me right there what he was fighting for. I needed to know his motivation to fight because I'll tell you, I mean, Rocky brings it up. Why would you want to fight if you don't have to fight? But he has a lot of anger about his parents. When he was a little boy in juvie and asked why he fought, the kid talked smack about his mother, so he beat him up. And I think he has a lot of anger issues towards a father who had him out of wedlock and he never met. And so he's fighting against that legacy, but also fighting with a lot of anger issues about his parentage. It's all right there and done so well. Initially, I'm like, Oh God, YouTube, really, in a modern movie? But now I'm like, yeah, if I was researching something, how would I do it? I'd go to YouTube and find clips. So I really ended up liking that scene and just the way it wordlessly gave us that symbolism. And we're going to get it again and again and again in this. Well, you said before that the playing all the beats and all the same characters, you're absolutely right. This whole movie does feel like a Rocky redo, but it's done in such a way that I think it works. I think the differences between the characters of Rocky and then Rocky as Mickey and Bianca instead of Adrian, all the differences they make in those characters makes it fresh enough. So when they do hit all the same beats, while we do, we recognize the same beats. The new audience they're going for may not. Jacob, you asked, do you need to have that backstory, the richness of the backstory for this story to work? I don't know if a lot of the audience is going to have that or even care. They have the option to go back and watch the first six movies but honestly, you don't really need it. I think it enhances the movie just like you do, but I think you don't really need it. You just need to know that Rocky was a champion and his guy's father was a champion and now he's trying to make a name for himself. The themes can go through the movie without having the backstory, but of course, with the backstory, they're even more powerful and potent. So let me ask you guys, how does Adonis compare to Rocky? Is he rocky worthy if this was the first film do you feel as strongly for adonis and root for him in this movie 
as much as we all rooted for Rocky in the 70s. I wanted to. I wanted to have those chills, like when Rocky's giving that speech right before he fights Apollo, you know, this is my chance, and like th- th- just that great speech. I feel like the problem is Stallone kind of overshadows this one. I've always had a problem with Rocky, like not giving other fighters their due. That's when one of my complaints, and I feel like Stallone's going to get all those moments when I want to see Adonis have those moments to win me over and give me those chills. There, there's definitely some parts where I got emotional here, but I don't know if the, it's because of Adonis, if he ever got those real moments to sh- show us that he was coming into his own. I agree a bit, a bit with Jacob there. There's that scene when he's running up the street with the ATVs and the motorcycles. That's supposed to be his running up the steps moment for Rocky. And it doesn't quite land. There's this feeling that while there's a lot of moments that almost work and I get what he's doing and why he's doing it and I get he's motivated, I don't feel as strongly for him until the end of the fight in round 12. And I'm jumping ahead here when Rocky wants to call off the fight because of how he didn't call off the fight with Apollo. And Adonis says... I have to prove I'm not a mistake. And that's when it all came together for me. And I, for the first time, really felt for this kid. But that's like 100, it's 140 minutes into the movie. <laughs> it's a long time into the movie at that point. But it hit it home for me there. That also, that scene when he's shadow boxing with his dad on YouTube, as Arnie mentioned, that also made me feel for the kid a lot. That scene there engendered so much goodwill in me for about the next act of the movie because I thought I got this kid. But I agree with you. There's the heart that Rocky had that we all fell in love with just isn't quite the same here. And that makes three for three for us. I do root for Adonis in this. I really do. But he doesn't need it. And that's what everybody says is he has so much else going for him that this isn't his one chance. This isn't his American dream. This is a far more personal story that I can get behind, but it's he's less the everyman in this. What really makes him work for me is fantastic casting. Now, you said that the director was going to work with Michael B. Jordan again on a future film. And it's not Fantastic Four 2. Yeah, I was going to say, we (laughs) might have a Scorsese De Niro thing here. But Michael B. Jordan is a very charismatic actor. I've seen him in Hardball with Keanu Reeves way back in the day. Chronicle, (laughs) Fantastic Four. We have ripped his... (laughs) We ripped that movie, yeah. (laughs) We have ripped a movie he was in apart. Yeah, we didn't rip him, though. And I'll say, compared to everybody else in that movie, Miles Teller, Kate Mara, Jamie Bell, Michael B. Jordan is very, very lucky to have this movie here that will make everybody forget he ever wore the Human Torch outfit. (laughs) Even though I thought he was the best cast actor there, here, his charisma, his naturalness on screen, everything he's bringing makes me like him, but... He's no Rocky. Yeah, I like Michael B. Jordan. I like what he does here. I don't know if I like Creed. I, I like Creed. I'm not going to say that. I just, yeah, I don't feel for him as much. And it's weird. You get to the end. It's like, he's fighting to prove he's just not a name. Well, he never wanted that name. Jumping forward a little bit, that name is foisted upon him of Creed. He wanted to be his own person. But I feel like he got Rocky Balboa to train him. He's got his father's legacy. Like, I needed something more for why I should be rooting for him on his own instead of because he's got these boxing greats behind him. I love that Bianca calls him on that, though. He's like, I want to make it on my own. I don't want to use his name. Bianca's like, 
Well, you came and you're using your father's connections to get Rocky Balboa to train you. So maybe it's not that bad of a thing that you're doing. Yeah, he says at one point that he doesn't want to take on the name and not be able to live up to the legacy. And that completely rang false to me because the entire time he's running away from the name. And while I didn't get that was the reason he's running away from the name. He wants to make it on his own. Eh, that's fine. He keeps saying it over and over again. But the whole thing with his father and not really knowing his father rang more true to me than not wanting to use a name and then failing and then being brushed aside as a boxer. That part didn't play for me. Yeah, it really kind of changes as it goes. They keep giving us new reasons. Every act in this four-act film, it seems like we're given a new reason. In the first, he's like, he didn't know his father, he wants to make it on his own. In the second... It's like he doesn't want to use the name and fail. At the end, it's like he wants to prove he's not a mistake. It switches around a lot. I'll give it this. In reality, not everybody has clear motivations for why they do what they do. That's why there's psychoanalysis and everything. He may have a whole lot of complicated feelings about his father, and that plays very real. That it's not a clear cut, here's what I want and here's why I want it. It's messy, but yet it also feels a little bit more realistic in that way. So I'll give it a pass in that regard, even if I wish I had a clearer understanding of why he's doing what he does when he does it. Yeah, no, I give it a pass because I think it's an interesting aspect to explore. But with the Rocky film, I wanted a little more clean cut. I, I feel like that's how you get that emotional response. That's why everyone, every man <laughs> fell for Rocky when he gives that speech at the end, because we all related here. It is more difficult. It's something not everyone's going to relate to. Some people, I know my father. My father's always been in my life so it's something more specific and so i i don't know if anyone could identify with what adonis is going through in this film but i'm sure there are those who this might have a lot more meaning to and we're talking about how he lives up to rocky what i think is a great transition now to talk about the first scene in adrian's restaurant that was the first scene that i saw michael b jordan's acting come to the front and like i was really impressed with michael's acting in that scene and i was also impressed with how sylvester stallone was acting so we have a new rocky here an older wiser rocky it seems and stallone giving a performance we haven't seen in, in quite some time in my opinion hitting it out of the park here and what did you guys think of that first scene or in general uh, of stallone's performance as rocky i was just distracted where's marie <laughs> yeah i was just <laughs> a day off i think I'm like, wasn't there a girl at the end of that last film that he ended up with? <laughs> it was like a pseudo romance. He was like a father figure to her son, but yet they were just friends because it was really creepy because he was so old. <laughs> like, how did they do this? How much? I understand that Rocky Balboa was a box office success, but in my mind, it wasn't that great of a Rocky film. And... The whole thing with Marie was really embarrassing, so I was like, how much of Balboa are they going to bring into this? I like how they do it. I mean, somehow, in the last nine years, Marie got a better job and moved away, <laughs> and I'm happy for that. I didn't want Marie back, but they kept the restaurant. I'm glad to see he's finally had a business venture that didn't go to shit in a few years, and he still visits Polly and Adrian, who are buried next to each other as brother and sister. But I do think Stallone is pretty good in this. I really like that opening scene where Adonis is dropping all these things about how he knows everything about the fight and 
he drops he knows about their secret fight from the end of Rocky 3. Yeah, I was trying to remember that they're like, there's a third fight, a secret one. I'm like, wait, when, when, was that ever mentioned? I'm like, oh, yeah, that was the end of Rocky thing. Ring ding, the bell. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Well, I have a question for you guys. In that scene, Rocky tells Adonis that Apollo wins. And when he said that, I got the feeling like, Maybe that's not true. Maybe he's just telling the kid that because it's his dad, you know? I still don't think I know the answer of who won that fight. I agree. No, I'm right there with you, Brock. I felt like he was saying that to make Creed feel better about himself. Yeah, and we always wondered who won that fight. We talked about it, but it was semi-implied. I thought that Rocky won, but yeah, I like how much this movie brings up things from the past. You know, it talks about... Rocky and Apollo's fights from the first two, but Adonis is really going to lean on, hey, my dad helped you out. When Mickey died, my dad took you to his place in LA, he trained you, and he convinced you not to retire. All Rocky 3. Apollo dying. Rocky 4. I think that we get both a greatest hits of the past movies, as well as a lot of callbacks to those movies, that really give it a continuity I went in not expecting. I kind of wondered if this would be more rebooty and we wouldn't get those kinds of callbacks. I was so glad that they did. We don't get the montage of all the films at the beginning of this one. I was wondering if they were going to do that. But no, we'll see clips, though. <laughs> it's just they're on TNT all the damn time. You don't need the montage. Just turn on television. Well, they're also on HBO Go. You can watch it on your iPad, apparently, as we see in this film. I actually watch them on Netflix. <laughs> so you, you can also watch them there. <laughs> but as far as Sylvester Stallone, look, I, I'm trying to think the last film I saw him in, maybe it was that lockdown or lockout or lockup, whatever he was in jail with Arnold Schwarzenegger with. It was decent-ish. It was stupid. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did not like that. I have not seen Expendables 3, which I think was his last film before this one. I don't know if he's acting or if the bad plastic surgery has really taken that effect. I felt like I almost needed subtitles at times on Rocky, and, <laughs> and I, I get it. He's taking a beating, so maybe he's playing that up, but it was hard for him to understand. As far as his performance, I, I heard the word Oscar thrown around with his performance. I don't know if i go that far. He's fine as Rocky. He's, it's probably one of his better Rocky performances, but it, it's not a big standout for me. What's funny to me is I felt I'd seen him play Rocky again in that Robert De Niro Stallone movie Grudge Match. No, I did not see that one. <laughs> That's like, to me, the last Rocky film. It was great. It was Rocky versus Raging Bull. It was it was funny, actually. And in that movie, Arnie, he had an eye problem. He couldn't see it peripherally, just like Rocky did. Yeah, I, I mean, it was really obviously, I almost felt like, should we pick up the Rocky series for that film? <laughs> it was that much of a Rocky. But I heard Oscar as well, and I think... He did good here. I really do. I think it's his best Rocky performance in a lot of movies. I think it's much better than Balboa, certainly better than Five. I think he pulled back, and I'd really wonder how much script input he had. I believe none. He doesn't have a writing credit. They consulted him, but he didn't work on the script. This is the first one he didn't help write or write himself. Still, there's contractual obligations. The scene at the cemetery had to be him. When I was watching that scene when he's sitting there reading to Pauly, I was like, okay, they must have given this scene to him as a bone. You know, throw him a bone. Because otherwise, they really don't need that scene in the movie. Well, I think that helps him to find his motivation to help the boy, and it shows us that. Plus, they're going to drop clues like lead balloons. And if the trailer hadn't revealed that Rocky's going to end up getting cancer, yeah. then I wouldn't have noticed so much until a second watching. But he's like, oh, never had so winded getting dragged walking up that hill here. And I'm like, okay, we're going to start laying the foundation for him to have cancer. But I'll tell you, what makes you win an Oscar is dying in a film. 
and losing your vanity. I mean, you look at so many roles. The one that's coming to mind right now for me is Charlize Theron, a very beautiful woman who went ugly for Monster and got her Oscar. You know, that gets you the Oscar. I expected to have Stallone having just like tufts of hair looking like Corey Feldman at the end of Friday the 13th Part 4, you know, going full chemo. He keeps this a vanity role. This is very Hollywood cancer here. And so... I think if he'd gone more, I would have bought the Oscar talk a lot more. But he keeps this a heroic Rocky portrayal, which pulls back from saying, yeah, this guy deserves a gold statue for it. So while I was watching the film, the moment when he was hanging his head over the toilet is when it occurred to me that they're going to talk Oscar nomination for Sylvester Stallone. Now, I hadn't heard any of this Oscar talk you guys heard ahead of time, but that's the kind of scene, Arnie, that you were saying before that he, you know, give away the vanity and all that kind of stuff, get you Oscars. Well, that's his version of it here. Jack Nicholson did something similar in the bucket list. He didn't get a nomination for that, but you don't really see actors do that kind of cancer portrayal very much. And this is Stallone's version of it. So while I agree with both of you, I don't think he's going to get the nomination. I think that this talk is because you're getting a performance here out of Sylvester Stallone that we haven't seen a lot previously or in many years for the very least. I was expecting a little bit more. I mean, we get like one shot of him kind of balding once he starts his chemotherapy treatment and then he's wearing a beanie for the rest of the film. I really thought at some point like that would fall off. Someone would pull that off. The press would get wind that he's got cancer because he'd have this bald head or something. I, I was waiting for that to play more of a part, but I, I feel like so much of the story like Creed and his relationship with his father, it's there, but it just never goes as far as you would expect. Completely agree. I really thought, especially based on the trailers, that this film, Rocky, would die. Yes! I thought he was going to go full Mickey in Rocky 3. I mean, we see a lot of Rocky 1, we see a lot of Rocky 2 in this, the chasing the chicken, all of it. They do so many callbacks. I'm like, are they going to do the Rocky 3 where he can't make it to the fight, he dies during the fight, he dies before the fight, and Adonis has this on his mind, and maybe they go the other way, where Mickey dying caused Rocky to lose, Rocky dying gives Adonis what he needs to win, something like that. And the fact that he never dies, he never even looks feeble. I mean, during a montage of Adonis training, we get some insert scenes of him getting chemo. They say he has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and they need to remove his lymph nodes. We never see him in surgery. We never see him post-surgery. We see him getting some chemo. We never see him weakened from the chemo. We see him throwing up before the chemo. I have had family members get chemo. You throw up during the chemo. You throw up after the chemo. It really feels like this is Hollywood cancer for me and not a realistic. It is, and it's one of the reasons my wife wouldn't come to see it with me because she caught wind that there was a cancer thing. Her father passed from cancer, and he went through chemo, and it's very hard for her to watch anything that depicts that kind of stuff, mostly because it's never real enough to her, and it just feels like it's mocking what actual cancer patients go through, and she gets very upset at those kind of scenes. So I said, you stay home, or you go shopping on Black Friday, I'll go see it by myself. But yeah, I, part of Rocky's arc, and I've always felt like, especially Rocky Balboa, he's the grumpy old man, and he just doesn't want to change, and like, we get this one scene, I'm glad it's only one scene, it could have been cut, but he draws out that workout for Creed, and Creed takes a picture of it with his phone, and he's like, well, don't, don't you need this piece of paper? What happens if your phone breaks? It's in the cloud. The, the, the cloud? What, what cloud? <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, do not do this. I laughed. I laughed too. I'm like, don't do this old man thing. 
But what's so weird, and I guess I, I'm glad they justified it, because at first, Rocky, he's like, oh, I'm just going to die. And we get moments later is that, he, yeah, he kind of does have this death wish. Like, all his friends are dead. Creed's dead. Apollo Creed, not Adonis. Polly's dead. His wife, Adrian's dead. And and so I kind of like that moment. Again, I, I because I have a hard time understanding Stallone in this film, I don't know if I get the power of all those monologues or speeches back and forth, but the fact that he does have this death wish, because non-Hodgson's lymphoma is a very curable cancer and I, I know people you know he's like oh I don't want to do chemo because my wife had chemo and she died well I know people who had chemo and died and I know how people who got chemo and live like it seems weird so I'm glad they do justify it later that he does kind of have this death wish and doesn't want to be around but guys what about the whole angle that this is a Rocky movie and we want to have Rocky fight and he can't fight in the ring so he has to fight cancer I mean, that's obviously what they were trying to do, right? I mean, because if they're not going to kill him, then that's what the reason is for him to have cancer. Yeah, and from everything I read, there was never any thought of killing him in this film. So I, I think that was going to be his arc, that he had to fight cancer just like Adonis has to fight for his name. Exactly. I think it might have been better if he would have passed. I, I wanted something. I didn't want this to be such a retread of the original Rocky, which ultimately I feel it is. Like, I was waiting for bigger developments in this film. I'm right there with you, Jacob. This is such a retread. I thought this would be a passing of the torch movie. Like, again, Star Trek Generations, where you have Shatner and Picard together, and in the future films, you're just going to have Picard. I thought if Rocky died... Then we'd get chance for Creed to make sequels on his own and probably for a lot cheaper because you don't have to pay Stallone so much. But Stallone's not as old as I thought he was. He's only 69, so he does have many more years of filmmaking in him. He can stick around. I think that, yeah, Brock, you nailed it on the head, is that this is Rocky's fight. It's called out in the film. Donna says, if I have to fight, you have to fight. I thought this was a good arc for Rocky, though. I mean, we saw him lose Paulie in the last film, and we knew Adrian died somewhere between five and six. So I liked the I have nothing to live for anymore thing. And where I think the four-year consideration reel is going to go is not him over the toilet. What they will show if he were to get a nomination is him yelling at Adonis, if I took everything good and put it in a bowl or whatever and said I'd give this for one more day with my wife, I'd do it and die a happy man. <laughs> Stallone is no master thespian. No. But I no. get that this is this moment that was trying to go Oscar. Well, you're not going to show a guy throwing up in a toilet on the Oscar telecast anyway, but I understand your point. One more thing I want to bring up on Rocky is that we're talking about how he's in the Mickey role here. And I want to point out that he's a much more quiet Rocky than he ever has been before. And Mickey had that presence and that yelling and that energy about him. And Rocky is very passive, much more passive and quiet. So we have Michael B. Jordan's Adonis, who I love what Michael B. Jordan's doing here, but he's not as lovable as Rocky. And you have Mickey, who's now Rocky. Rocky's being Mickey, but less boisterous and cranky and crabby. And so they're taking these characters, they're fitting the characters' shoes, but they're not hitting all the same tropes which is the decisions they're making, which is why it's seeming more fresh on the surface. But when you drill it down, as we pointed out, it really is a rehashing of the original Rocky movie. One of the things that did bug me, and again, you listen to our previous Rocky podcast, I'm like, why does Rocky got to take the glory away from Clubber Lang? Why does, and Rocky Balboa, just let that young man have the spotlight. I always feel like Rocky's pulling the spotlight away from the up-and-coming boxers. And I noticed in the way this is shot, during all these trading montages, Rocky's always standing in the background. It almost feels that time like they have focused on Rocky and 
Michael B. Jordan is the one that's out of focus in the foreground. So we know Sylvester Stallone is there. But like you said, Brock, he doesn't have that charisma. I don't know why the camera's lingering on him because he doesn't have the presence of a Mickey. But he's Rocky. He's the star of the previous series. Yes, he's going off his name, which this film is criticizing, but I feel like that's why (laughs) Sylvester Stallone is in so many shots here. I'll say I liked him as a trainer. He's pulling out Mickey's tricks. I already mentioned the chicken. He's using Mickey's thing about doing the switch, which is how Rocky beat Apollo in Rocky 2 is by not being a southpaw and Rocky's training that. But yet I like that Rocky had a training team all of a sudden. I can't recall any other movie where they're like, here's the guy who's going to make you the custom gloves. Here's the best cut man in the business. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know like you could be the best cutter in the business. (laughs) (laughs) And then the guy who does the pads and everything. I like that. I found it a really surprising choice because of course they're going to start training at Mickey's gym. That's the callback. But while there, there's this guy, Pete, who's pissed off that Rocky's going to train Adonis and not train his guy. Who's his son. We learned that he's his son. Yeah, Leo the Lion Sperino. And so they challenge to a fight. So he has to go to this grungier, far away training place that Rocky seems to know just as well. And it's, I like that we get this new team. We get away from Mickey's, which had become kind of a little bit slicker in the day since Rocky trained there. Yes. Who is this guy who's running Mickey's gym? The only thing I couldn't get away from, every time I go back to Mickey's gym, why is this guy running Mickey's gym? And how did he get the job? Does Rocky still have an ownership stake? Because all those scenes with that guy, (laughs) all I was thinking about was the ownership of the damn gym, because all these (laughs) scenes didn't make a difference to me. You're not alone in that. I was like, doesn't Rocky own this gym? And Rocky knew Pete and is like, go talk to Pete and mention you're a Creed. And Rocky could have done more. But yet the guy who plays Pete, I wonder if they hired him to make Stallone look good. Because this Pete, if he had a mustache that was long enough, he'd be twirling it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was just about to say that. Like, get the guy some mustache wax so he can just (laughs) twirl that thing over his finger. And I thought, again, this would play more of a part. We get really Creed's first American fight. And he's still fighting under the name Johnson. Right before he fights Leo the Lion, Pete's son. You know, we, we get this scene in the in the match, and I love that Adonis, he's like, cut my gloves, cut my gloves, I gotta take a shit, because I'm so nervous. Like, I, I do like those moments, like, because this guy thinks he's such a badass, because he's undefeated in Mexico, but this is his first American fight. I really wondered why they left that scene in. Was it comedic? It was a character-building scene to me. <laughs> I thought that they were going to do this in order to show that he is now finally scared to go into a fight, that he's having hesitation. No, he really had to take a shit. (laughs) Well, because I think he was so nervous, that's what happened. But I like the way this fight is shot. I don't know what they're doing. It's something I really noticed. I don't know if they had telegraphic lenses. I don't know if they had a drone going in there. But the way you go from a close-up and pull away to a long shot and then kind of like swivel and you'd see Balboa at ringside, there's some great camera work going on during this fight that I noticed. Jacob, it's shot like all one take. Obviously, they probably didn't do that, but exactly right. I have no idea how they did it. Maybe the Steadicam with a drone thing, or maybe I could see GI hiding all the cuts. Who knows? But what was fascinating about it was we were watching the fight, quote unquote, in real time, which we'd never seen in a movie before. And they kept on talking about how Rocky revolutionized fights back in the day and movie fighting. Well, here's another way to do it. They found another way to revolutionize 
movie fighting by having it all like we're ringside or sometimes in the ring with Adonis. I thought it was amazing the camera work here i agree with you completely it was flashy it pulled me out it made me think like i was playing a video game because we kept switching over the shoulder perspectives between the fighters and i was trying to get a bead and on one watching i wasn't able to as like we're over this guy's shoulder when he's more dominant and then we switch as the fight switches dominance but the way it kind of moved it just it reminded me of like a third person close perspective video game where we're just right over the shoulder. You guys were talking about the cinematography earlier. This is the moment that it really drew itself out to me is during the fights. The rest of the film, I think it's fine. I think it does great. It's a good looking movie without looking amazingly spectacular and something I'd want to go see in IMAX just to enjoy the visuals. But during these fight scenes, I'm a bit ambivalent other than, well, that was different, but kind of like showing us all the fighters stats next to them. Yeah, it's different. I don't know if it's good. Yeah, I like that they were going for something untraditional in a Rocky film. I, I don't know if it's the best choice. Maybe the fact that I noticed it and that it calls itself out, maybe that's a bad thing, but I, I liked it. I liked the feel of this I, and we're going to lose it in the final fight. I feel that goes back to a more traditional Rocky type of filming for a fight. Actually, Jacob, they had the HBO sports title timer in the bottom right hand corner during the last fight which i thought was a really nice touch as if we're all watching it on tv so they also use the hbo sports fighter profiles to give us the exposition on, on the main bad of the movie. And I thought that was a nice touch. You guys talked a couple of times about the video game stats popping up on the screen. I kind of liked it. I didn't understand why pound for pound fighter in the world. Is that like an expression? <laughs> I don't know what that means. But I kind of dug it that they were going for their own thing. Well, keep in mind, and I found this to be really interesting, Adonis is not a heavyweight. He's too thin for that. He's too small. This is a light heavyweight. Yeah. So pound for pound fighter in the world, the best fighter in the world is going to be the heavyweight champ because they can hit harder and take hits better. But in their division, the best champion in the world. Now I get it. Thank you. Because there were a lot of best pound for pound. And the one who KO'd him for the Mustang, the stat said best pound for pound fighter in the U.S., and then you get Conlin, who's the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world. So what's funny about this is this guy who takes his Mustang, number two in the world, number one in the U.S., he's the guy who seems so tough in that scene. He's the guy who gets his glass jaw broken during the weigh-in or whatever, which sets up the end fight for Adonis. So that gives you exactly the backstory you need on this other guy besides him going to jail for seven years for a gun charge, how tough this guy is, how strong this guy is. It gives you a backdoor to... Well, if this guy fell so quickly a, to a slap to the face, he's going to really hurt Adonis is what they were going for. And I thought that was a nice little thing to introduce that character earlier in the movie to set us up for Adonis's fight later on. Yeah, it was really subtle that that guy who took the Mustang is the guy who got his jaw broken. I love that rather than fight, he's going to sue everybody. He's going to sue the boxing commission. He's going to sue Conlon. And when they went into that, I realized they were setting Conlon up to be the opponent. Yeah, because I, I was wondering, where is this going? Because Adonis, he really has only one American fight under his belt at this point. I'm like, are they really going to give him a shot at the championship? Where, where is this movie going? But yeah, once you get this broken jaw, I could see what they're going to do. And here we're back at Rocky again. And that's where I feel like there's replays going on. The same way Apollo needed a fight... And the other guy backed out, and so he decides to do a championship match and picks Rocky because of the name Italian Stallion. Well, here, Conlon needs a match, and he's going to pick, again, this guy who hadn't really had any major fights 
and pick him because of his name, that being Creed. Yeah, and he had not fought under the name Creed yet. That gets leaked out by that trainer at Mickey's after that fight. Like, he did some searching. He found it's actually Creed's son, and we're never told he's the one that leaked it, but come on, we know he's the one who leaked it to the press. Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> this guy couldn't be more conniving, but I decided I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. If he could figure it out with a couple of Googles, the press could probably <laughs> figure it out too. True, but Rocky asked him to keep it on the QT. And then all of a sudden, after his boy gets embarrassed in the ring, right? So, yeah, I think we all got the same impression. Yeah, that guy's a jerk. Before we get to Conlon, I do want to talk about, you know, because I think one of the aspects of a Rocky film or that original Rocky film, which this is really trying to hit the beats of, is the Adrian character. Mm -hmm. We talked about Adrian. She seems somewhat, I don't know, autistic or whatever. She's so deathly shy. Here, I don't know. I feel like they're trying to do something where they, Bianca, that's going to be the love interest here. And they're going to give her a handicap. She's going deaf. I, I really feel like they're trying to do something the same way they had with Adrian, where she had this crippling like fear of, of anyone else going outside the pet shop. Yeah, the way that you had to say before we get to the fight, let's talk about Bianca, kind of sums up my feelings about Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> I like Tessa in this role. I think that she brings a really naturalistic and fun performance. I can see why Adonis falls in love with her. I start to fall for her in this film. She is no Adrian. She feels like obligatory love interest, not Adrian, who is a unique love interest specifically suited for our fighter. And I know they try to develop her character. They give her this progressive hearing loss. I'm trying to see how that fits in the theme of fighting. She's not fighting her hearing loss. She's completely accepting. She's learning sign language and like, I'm going to lose this fight, so I might as well deal with that. And she's fine. I can answer your question. I don't think she's supposed to be Adrian at all. Adrian was in a pet shop at a dead-end job. Here we have a girl who's following her passion, who knows that she has a limited time because she has progressive hearing loss. And she's a musician, which is a death knell for a career if you're a musician, unless you're Beethoven. Except she's a singer. She's not composing. So she does need to be able to hear her voice. Right. So the <laughs> point is that here's a woman who knows she has a limited time who knows, unlike Rocky, that she's in her prime now and she has to grab it as she can because Rocky never got his prime, right? So now she's at the age where she has a prime and she has a career going and she has to grab that and run with it as fast as she can before her time is up. Just like an athlete. An athlete has a limited time to perform at his peak or her peak before their body just tells them no dice anymore. So that's what they're going for. That's what I got anyway, is that this athlete is in the same boat. They have a parallel journey. Unlike Adrian, who was in a pet shop and had no future there, besides just working at a pet shop, this girl has a career. She's driven, and she doesn't have the limitations in her mind that Adrian had in her mind. So I thought it was a very nice juxtaposition to what the Adrian character was. Too bad they don't do anything with that, because I feel like there's a scene after Adonis finds out that Rocky has cancer and he's not going to try to fight it. Adonis kind of goes off hinge and beats up Bianca's opening act at her big break. I kept looking that up to see if that was a famous guy, and I couldn't find that it was. I agree. I thought that was someone famous, yeah. Yeah, I tried to do the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, I do love the moment where he's trying to talk to her and she kind of just leaves that door and, and he's talking to no one. But then she just shows up at the end. Why? Who knows? She just showed up. I guess Rocky bought her a ticket to come to England for the final fight. And I really feel they robbed her of an arc. Jacob, before she leaves the door, she pulls her hearing aids out so she can't hear them. Yeah, I know. I love that. I love that moment. I love that scene. That was brilliant. Yeah, that 
actually moved me. Yeah, too bad she just shows up because she's the love interest at the end. I mean, tell me why she shows up. I wish there'd been a little bit more of she was the reason why he found his balance, you know, because he had such anger management issues. The first time we're introduced to Adonis, he's beating a kid up just because they talked about his mother. And they keep having some relationship strife. Why didn't you tell me you were a creed? Okay, well, I don't think it needs that level of walking out over, but okay. And then later on, she's really upset because of that fight, and rightfully so. She's trying to have her own career. She wasn't sure if she wanted to go out with him at all. She was really hesitant. And so I get that she'd be mad. I get that she'd get over it too, though, really. I mean, she seemed to fall for the guy, but they have this conversation. I do like this scene where she she wants to get at something real and he's like you motivate me and she's like is that all i am to you motivation well you maybe you motivate me too i like that they're trying to get at a real relationship but i wish i could have seen its impact on adonis more i like their scenes together i love it when they're listening to her music and they're sharing earbuds and i'm like well i know where this is gonna go and she's like what about rocky (laughs) He's asleep. He old. He's an old man. He can't hear us. (laughs) Yeah, I like their scenes, but I'm never invested in that relationship. I just enjoy their relationship. Yeah, I hear that. I don't feel like I do about Rocky when he just forces Adrian into that kiss in that first film and like kind of brings her out of her shell. Nothing has that same impact, I guess. They're trying to play those same moments. They're trying to do it in a new way, but it just never has the same emotional impact for me. The cheesesteaks is not a nice rink. Let's just put it that way. Although they did look delicious. <laughs> they did. I'm like, I need to go to Philly now. Although I love his rap. I need a cheese steak, but I'll settle for a cheesecake. <laughs> okay, that is really bad. But they're inversing so much here. I mean, I'll call out the obvious. Rocky was a white fighter. Here we have a black fighter. Rocky was not an attractive man. Here we have an Adonis. You know, they go for a great looking guy who's going to have no trouble getting women. And so they're trying to flip it on its ear somewhat. And so with a lot of these inverses, it's making this film feel fresh. Well, yet I can draw these direct parallels. But the weakest element to me is Bianca. If there's a Creed 2, and we'll get to the end to see if I hope there is, if Bianca didn't come back, I wouldn't feel it would be a great loss. Like if Rocky to Adrian didn't come back. Yeah, I feel because we have a director of color and this is starring an African-American. Like it feels like it's being treated with respect. It's not feeling like people are exploited. Like when they got to give a new twist to, you know, everyone following Rocky and going up the steps and waving the arms here. You know, he's got that motorcycle gang going behind him that hangs out by the gym. I, I, I feel like, yeah, they're doing these little twists and I like that. It's just the, the moments never build as well. You know what I'll give this film? And I had to look some stuff up after because that motorcycle group, I'm like, well, that's a weird twist. You're like, that doesn't exist. <laughs> and I was thinking the motorcycle group is, of course, trying to replay when all the kids are running after Rocky and Rocky 2 and trying to capture that feeling. But I got to give this movie some props for introducing us to Philly culture because with those bikes <laughs> and then there's that scene at the cheesesteak place where she's trying to explain this is a John, that is a John. I'm like, what the hell is a John? And so I had to look it up. It's a guy who picks up a hooker. No, that's a John. This is J-A-W-N. I did Google John slang and it was all about prostitution. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It turns out 
Philly has its own slang. And there was a website I found devoted to Philadelphia slang. And sure enough, there was John. This podcast is a John. Any noun you want, you, instead of saying the name, you just call it a John. It's like Smurfs. <laughs> or it's like the Bruce in uh, Australia. Everything's a Bruce. Yeah, Sheila. Exactly. So I liked that they were bringing in real Philly culture versus just Philly locations. Yeah, no, there, there's an authenticity to this film that I, I guess you wouldn't expect, you know, after that first Rocky film, you know, where he's fighting Mr. T or he's going to Russia where Drago's got space age equipment or let's not forget Hulk Hogan. Thunderlips. Yeah, Thunderlips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like those really went off the rails. This is trying to bring it back to uh, that more gritty reality of street life in Philadelphia. I thought you were going to go into uh, bring it back. Do, 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 do. That's what I thought you were going with there. Well, speaking of that, what do you think of the score? This is only the second film not to be scored by Bill Conti. And I'm not really familiar with this composer. And at times, they give us the little strains of Gonna Fly Now. They tease it to us, you know? Yeah, it's got an urban beat to it, though. I like, like, you get this beat going, and then you get little, like, samples coming in from the older films. This is a remix, and so I like how they kind of remix that music here. You hear the bell, too. You have that dong, dong, mm -hmm. ever yes. so slightly, too. I agree. I kind of like how they peppered it in, but I kind of dug the score. It wasn't as infectious, obviously, as the Conti one, but I did like a lot of the score in this movie. Yeah, I liked it. I could tell they're trying to give Creed his own theme, his own gonna fly now. There's this rousing bit that has a chorus, but I couldn't make out any of the words. There was never gonna fly now. And I kind of felt they undermined it because at the end, when Adonis really starts kicking ass, that's when he's deserving of gonna fly now, you know? But he had his own kind of thing going on when he's running with the motorcycles and things. But maybe with years of watching and a few sequels, that new theme will be gonna fly now to me, but I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. I thought they should have brought back Conti, but instead they went with the guy who did Fruitville Station. Do you guys think it rang false when the track came on during the final fight? And I think it's called Go the Distance from the original Rocky movie where the Apollo and Rocky fight happened. I felt that was a poor choice because the whole movie is, yes, hitting the beats of Rocky, but honestly... They're trying to make this his own movie. So why are you giving Rocky's theme music at that point? They should have had a different theme that was reminiscent of it instead of actually playing such a close rendition of the original music. It is such a tightrope to walk with this because A, again, like I just said, the score isn't as good. So you got that problem. B, people want some Rocky in this film. You're getting the plot. People want Gonna Fly Now and this other score. If they brought Conti back, I think he would have done a better way to bring it in. But because they had his own theme, when the Rocky theme came in, yeah, feeling false is a great way to describe it. Yeah, I was waiting for Eye of the Tiger, but I guess we didn't get that till Rocky 3 in reality, so I'm going to have to wait till Creed 3 to get, like, the rap remix of that one. Oh, God. I actually really like the popular music they brought into this. You know, there's a lot of scenes. I like Bianca's music. At first, I thought it was a little too experimental, but I'll be picking up the soundtrack to this. But, yeah, I don't think we'd get Eye of the Tiger, but I, I shudder to think what we would get. <laughs> 
No, I, I like Bianca's music too. I like, again, because I think they have African-Americans doing this, that you're not getting what you would get if this was a typical Hollywood production where she's like a rap star. No, she's doing this like weird, experimental, soulful music that I really dig. If she put out an album, I would buy it. Yeah, me too. So we got all the characters. We're ready for the final fight. We have pretty Ricky Conlon who is the Apollo Creed of Creed. You know, this is the big bad, if you will. Or this is, I guess, the champion, but he's from England. He has, what, a gun charge, because that happens in England, unlike the United States. And he's going to go away for seven years, but I guess he's still allowed to get actual matches until he gets locked up. He wants to raise money for his children while he's in jail. Well, yeah, the gun charge put him in jail, the HBO special tells us. And the punch to the jaw to... Duke Jr.'s fighter makes him lose all his money, too, because of that lawsuit. So he's broke. He's got nothing. And his agent, I mean, it's like the best agent in the world. I don't care about your legacy. I care to make sure your kids have money. Much better than Rocky's management. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That is true. He spent all his money. So he's got this exhibition fight. I wasn't really sure how much money that kind of fight would bring in, but it's apparently enough to convince him to do it. And... This is where we really get the struggle, and I think it's it works for me. It's not good for Conlon to fight Adonis Johnson, but if he's fighting Adonis Creed, then that's going to get publicity and get the money in. And Adonis has to make that choice of which way to go, and it's really Bianca who pushes him to do it. It's the anti-Adrian. Adrian's always like, don't, don't, until she goes, win, Rocky, win. But Yeah, and she encourages him to take that name. That's the whole theme. Do something with that name. Prove that you're worthy of it. It all comes down here at the end. I, I, I just wish it, the whole deal with his name was something, it was done better. It seems like at the end here, no, you got this name, use it, and do something good. You know, it's funny, throughout the movie, the name Creed is like Marty McFly hearing chicken. It kind of sets him off and gets him in you know, angry, and especially in that face-off at the end during the table before the fight. But I think the message is clear that if you have a legacy that's behind you, make it your own, they kind of hit it over your head. And I think the scene with Bianca is, I think, the best way they use it. If you just mentioned that scene, I think it's that's the best one. Also, when she gets, he gets the note from his mother with the shorts, you know, make it your own or whatever, make the legacy your own, whatever she actually said. I think those two times... It didn't seem too cheesy or too hard. The rest of the movie kind of hits you over the head with it. And I think the theme of the movie... It's legacy. I do think it's heavy-handed. Yeah, it's legacy and all that, but I think the way they did it with Bianca and with his mother with the note are the best way they handled it in the whole movie. I think there could have been better dramatic tension if perhaps, I don't know how you do this with the adoption in that, but if Mrs. Johnson was still alive, I would have liked to seen that poll. I love at the fight when he pulls those shorts out that his mom sends him. You know, it says... Creed on one side, Johnson on the other. I I feel like, yeah, that's what he's trying to balance are these two different upbringings, these two different legacies of who he is versus who his father was. I don't know. Maybe if Mrs. Johnson was still alive, we we could have seen some conflict there. Kind of like in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, whenever his Will Smith's mom would come into town and he'd have to balance, you know, versus his Philadelphia lifestyle and his Bel-Air lifestyle. I love the reference. You know, Jacob, who says she's not alive? Maybe in the sequel she'll come out looking for, you know. Well, the the movie says she's not alive, but it, they could be lying to us. You're right. Yeah, you didn't see a body, Jacob, so she could be alive. Yes, they could do a little orphan Annie, and all these people show up as Mrs. Johnson in the next film, or or Joe Dirt. <laughs> With a half a locket. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that they pulled out the red, white, and blue trunks. I wish they would have pulled out the full thing with the hat and the robe. and <laughs> 
James Brown. Did he do that when he fought Stallone? I, I thought, that, uh, yeah, I remember him doing that in Rocky IV when he's fighting Drago. He really went Uncle Sam. He was George Washington in the original one. <laughs> and then Rocky IV he had the big Uncle Sam. Oh, he had a, he Uncle Sam hat in I Want You, I Want You. And one of the ones also, I think maybe the first one, I can't remember anymore. He, maybe he did both Washington and Uncle Sam in the first one. And the red, white, and blue trunks I did read was Stallone's insertion. He wanted to keep the legacy of the red, white, and blue trunks alive. Wow, I, I'm surprised someone had to tell them to put that into the script, because I feel like that's the obvious way to go. If you're making this, you know, this is Creed. Yeah, th those shorts are iconic for Creed. That's what I think of when I think of Creed fighting, are the red, white, and blue. Agreed. I want to say I, I like Ricky Conlon. Like, this is a real boxer and he is intimidating he, he's scarier than creed apollo creed ever felt in any of those rocky films like this guy seems like a bruiser maybe because they set him in england and he's got that accent and they're playing at a soccer field and I'm, I'm thinking of soccer hooligans but he is very intimidating and you mentioned that press conference brock and, and i love that scene like every time adonis tries to you know answer a question it gets turned into an insult by ricky that's a lot of fun i like ricky because he feels very realistic. He's going to be antagonistic in a fight. He shares some of the anger management issues Adonis does, but he's not a villain. He's not Drago, you know? He's got real problems. I feel like they try to ride that line, though. I, I do feel like Creed never felt like a villain in those Rocky films. He was the overconfident boxer that was the champ and underestimated Rocky. This feels a little more Drago. It's not full Drago, but it, it feels like they're trying to make him more evil, or maybe this is how just boxers are these days. I, I don't watch a lot of boxing or UFC, but it, it kind of has that feel to me where it's much more about beating your chest and intimidating the other person. There was that part when he insults Creed by complimenting Rocky. That guy next to you has a legacy. You have nothing. And those kind of stuff is extremely intimidating. He came off like a scrapper to me, like a little bit like Snatch. Have you guys seen Snatch? Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, so it's kind of like that to me. I thought he played it really well, and I believed him. I thought he was a pretty good actor in this. I agree. I think he acted very well. His scenes came off really naturalistic. I Liked him a lot, but going in, did you guys think Adonis was going to win or just go the distance? Those are the only two options. Adonis isn't going to, like, get KO'd. <laughs> You're saying those are the only two options. I wanted a third option. You know, they talked about so much about Rocky Four again. That, that becomes so important because Rocky had the chance to throw in the towel and didn't, and that comes up again. And so I'm like, maybe he'll throw in the towel. Maybe we'll have that moment. I mean, early on in the second round, Creed gets knocked down real hard. I'm like, Maybe this is going to be it. Maybe this is the lesson learned. I wanted something different. I was looking for any out besides going the distance or actually winning. First of all, when Creed takes that hit, he already had a cut over his eye and he gets that hit in that same eye. I gasped. I was like, oh! like it was a real fight. That was a hard hit. Yeah. And my entire audience was like, whoa, and I gasped, and it was like, damn. In fact, somebody said, damn, in my audience. Is that the one when he hits the bat hard? Yeah. And he goes down in slow-mo. Because one of those hits he actually took, I read about, that he actually got hit because he couldn't get the shot. So he had the actual fighter who's playing his opponent knock him in the chin at like, quote unquote, 20%. And he took it and he hit the mat on one of those two shots. And it was amazing because I was wondering how they got that shot. And I looked it up and it was amazing. He actually got hit. But I like what you're saying, Jacob, 
I like that third option because of how they've set up Adonis. They set him up as somebody who's constantly getting in fights. At the press conference, Adonis jumps up and tries to start the fight early. It would be satisfying for the character, but not dramatically satisfying for the audience to have a character who has learned when to fight and when not to fight. If Adonis was like, you know what, throw in the towel. But then we don't want to see him beaten either. It would have to be done just the right way to sell that he chooses to not fight, not he's afraid to not fight. But if they could have found a way to do that, that would have been a wonderful character arc for him is to learn when to choose to not to fight. Or maybe Ricky's kids needed to have this win. And so he chooses not to fight so that Ricky's kids could have their legacy or at least not be poverty stricken, something like that. But yeah, going in, I'm like, win or go the distance. I put my money on win. I really did. And I was wrong. Yeah. I mean, we went the distance last time in Rocky Balboa. They redid Rocky one in that one. And well, okay. I think the screenwriter here had a tough choice. It had a no win situation because if he did win the fight, it would kind of seem unrealistic that this really green fighter won the fight. If he went the distance and didn't win, it's too much of a callback to the original Rocky. I have to think they filmed or wrote more than one ending to this because how else could they have ended this film and it been satisfactory to us all? And they mirrored the ending of the original Rocky with a split decision, which I guess is the only way they could go that is satisfying to us. Because if he lost by a unanimous decision, that's not right for the fight we just watched. But if he won, it would just really ring false. I think my biggest problem is they play it so much like Rocky. Even Mrs. Creed, who's watching this on her projection television in the United States, like when she was watching Apollo fight Drago, she's like throwing the towel here. She's like, go, 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 fight, fight. And like, I, I feel like, oh, we're just totally doing the Rocky thing. But what was weird, I felt like they tried to do something different with how this final fight was filmed. Like, I don't ever get adrenalized in it like I did during Rocky, even though I know, okay, this is totally dumb and unrealistic. No one's blocking. Like when they just start doing the montage and that music comes in and they're punching here, they try to do something different. Like a lot of times they're just going to show blood splatter going everywhere and, and showing reaction shots. I, as much as I like that earlier boxing scene, I never get into this final boxing scene as much. I do. I actually enjoyed it. I like that they went to montage for the full 12 rounds, but yeah, when he gets knocked down, I was like, uh, when he hopped back up after seeing the life before his eyes, I like that. I like the announcers during it, you know, being just right. We kind of called them out in previous podcasts for explaining stuff to the audience here. I like that they're doing some of that exposition and I'm excited. I'm in suspense because I don't know how it's going to end. And I think it might end by KO. I mean, Adonis gets that one last punch in, and he does have a moral victory being the first person ever to knock Conlon to the mat. Didn't that happen in the first Rocky? Wasn't Rocky yep. the first yes. one to knock Apollo down? Yeah, that's what I thought. What I thought was amazing, though, you, I mean, man, Creed gets beat up in this film, and his, like, eye is swollen shut, and they're like, how many fingers? And at first, I didn't get, like, the tapping going on, and they're like, <laughs> okay, how many fingers now? And you see the best cutter in the business tapping the back of his neck, so he knows what number to say. But I don't know if they, like, superimpose Carl Weathers. He looks more Creed-like, Apollo Creed-like, during that final fight. Maybe it's because he's got that awful eye swollen shut, just like Creed did in his fights, but 
he takes on a Carl Weathers look towards the end of this fight. I, I don't know if they did something CGI or if it's just because the makeup's the same. I thought it was 1970s eye makeup too, Jacob. I, I kind of looked like a little obvious to me. Oh, no, it does look obvious. And yeah. maybe that's why I was thinking of <laughs> Carl Weathers' creed. I think when they put Apollo's face in there that makes him jump up at the end, I like that touch a lot. They had the whole movie flash before his eyes and then <laughs> Apollo. And I love that moment that made him jump right up like a, a jackrabbit. I thought that was really fun. That was the perfect amount of Creed for that moment. Yeah, it's doing things the right way. And it is the third time we get that split decision. And you know what I feel this movie missed and missed terribly? The go the distance speech. We all talked about it Rocky one where Rocky and Adrian are together and there's that weird camera angle. And he's like, all I want to do is go the distance. That's all my hopes and dreams are. I never got that from Adonis. I got that Adonis wanted to win, that Adonis thought he could. And while we get the announcer telling us, hey, Adonis really won the night by becoming popular and doing so well, I didn't get that Adonis would be okay with this kind of a loss. Yeah, I we never get what Adonis needs to feel like a victor, to feel like he has earned the name of Creed in this film, which is a problem. It, it, so for this final fight, it just feels like a retread of Rocky One or Rocky Balboa. Like, we're going to go the distance. We're going to say uh, he didn't win, but people are going to be chanting Creed at the end. Yeah, this this ending doesn't quite work for me. Agreed. When they started cheering Creed, I was like, okay, you went too far with this one. No, I totally accepted it when the Russians did it in Rocky IV. <laughs> I think the Brits are a tougher crowd, though. And speaking of maybe overplaying their hand, the last scene of the movie has us return to the famous Philadelphia steps with Rocky barely making it up there and Adonis right next to him. And I want to point something out really interesting. And they did it in the beginning of the movie, too. They show us the Rocky statue has been moved from the top of the stairs to the side of the, of the museum. That happened in real life. Yes. <laughs> Stallone wanted it to be at the top of the steps and they had a big old conversation, legal battle, this and that. And they acquiesced to have it at the side. But for the movie, why don't they just put it back on the top of the steps for that one day to shoot that shot? I don't get it. It's too heavy. Should they have gone back <laughs> to the steps at all? to end this movie is my question. I was waiting for the steps. I thought we were going to get the motorcycle riders like doing wheelies up the steps following Adonis. Yes. We saw the chicken. We saw the running. I thought we were going to go to the steps much earlier. You had to go to the steps. If you're in Philly, you have to go to the steps. I mean, it is the tourist spot for people in Philly to go see those steps and to do the Rocky thing. And I heard this great story that I read during the filming of this where some people were doing that and they got to the top of Stallone was just standing there. <laughs> they got pictures and autographs. I mean, could you imagine? For as heavy-handed as I think a lot of this was, I don't mind this final scene. I, I feel it's appropriate. Like, here's Rocky. He's been riddled with cancer and chemo. He's weak. It feels like a nice ending for his character, if they're not going to kill him off. My problem is I felt like they should have ended like Rocky 1 did or Rocky 2 did. End at the ring. End there. That's what I need, you know. I didn't need this little epilogue, which again took me back to Rocky V of Rocky and his son going up those steps. I wanted the steps in this movie. I really did. But this little thing, what does it tell me that I don't already know? What does this give me other than, hey, they're at the top of the stairs now. And he talks about being able to see. We know he's fighting the cancer, so it's not giving us that. We know Adonis has fame now. It's not giving us that. It feels like 
an extra scene that would have been a great deleted scene on the Blu-ray, but didn't need to be in the movie. I actually think it should have been at the end of the credits, Arnie, or in the middle of the credits, how they do nowadays, you know what I mean? I was waiting for an extra scene. I waited all the way to the end to see if there's a button scene at the end. Me too. That should have been the button scene at the end. And so (laughs) I think I completely agree with you. A freeze frame in the ring with Bianca and Rocky and Adonis after the fight. I even forgot Bianca was there. Again, there's no, yo, Adrian! (laughs) Yeah, yo, Bianca! Bianca! Yeah, I'm glad we didn't get that. (laughs) Right, and then this scene could have been in the middle of the credits before they do like five or six credits, and then they go into the scene. So, Jacob, I see what you're saying. I want to get the steps too, but this shouldn't have ended the movie because this is supposed to be Adonis' movie, not one more callback to Rocky after that whole long fight, which is a giant callback to the original Rocky. As long as Sylvester Stallone's in these films, I feel like it will never be anyone else's movie. That's my problem. So that this feels kind of like passing of the torch. Okay. I find it interesting, though. Conlon's in prison. We will not get Creed 2 <laughs> unless it's seven years later and Creed's almost 40. Well, what do they do with the belt if the guy goes to prison? Maybe they'll do some kind of battle royale. <laughs> they'll go real crazy. They do that in wrestling whenever the belt's given up for some weird reason. They need a new champion. He actually can resign the belt or he can hold on to it for x number of months and if he doesn't fight within those months he loses it automatically right so that's how it works i would think because they all know he's going to prison they're gonna say sign this piece of paper and we'll have a championship fight for the two top contenders and that could be creed 2 if they make a creed 2 and all sides are pointing to this being a critical and commercial success maybe that's the next fight is Because Creed did so well here, he has to be involved in the championship fight for the belt and be a contender for that against new boxers. But what we won't get is Conlon becoming the Apollo, who's going to be in this series for the next three installments. No, we already have a Creed in this film. We don't need another Apollo, but I get what you're saying. I don't know what they would do for a sequel, and I uh, do I want that? I mean, regardless of how I feel about this film, these Rocky films are so formulaic, and like I said, I don't watch other boxing films because I feel like this is imprinted all over them. Maybe that, I'm wrong. Maybe Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal is totally different, and uh, I just, I have that bias, and I wanted a Creed film when (laughs) Apollo was around. I don't know about this Adonis Creed. I don't know what they could do because what I've seen here, they've just repeated Rocky 1 for the most part. Ideally, they'll come up with their own story next time. We'll have to find out and we'll find out soon enough, I guess. So, Jacob, Arnie, do you recommend Creed? Jacob. You know, like I've said, this hits a lot of the same beats as that first Rocky film. I like that it's tied in. I, I didn't know how much this would tie into the Rocky universe, but the fact that it calls back to four, I like that. <laughs> and so... Yeah, I feel like they did this mostly right. I I wish there were struggles or conflicts that were a little bit better. I wish they didn't follow the formula so much. But, you know, as far as acting goes, you know, Michael B. Jordan, he's great. I like him as Creed. I'd want to see more of him. Bianca, even though she doesn't do much in this, I like that actress. I I like her music. Maybe we could focus on her music career in a sequel. (laughs) I like a lot of these actors. I wish the story was a little bit better. You know, people are talking about, how much they love this film. I don't quite see that, but I like what they did different. I liked. And so, yeah, it's a pretty solid recommend for me. Arnie. I agree. It's a tricky business to go up against an original and to want to replay the original's beats and to give that kind of original feeling. And here they decided to go with that legacy sequel route. I think it works well. What I really like though, and I wasn't sure if I should expect this or not, but the way Ryan Coogler, the director, did this, 
is he really took it back to that Rocky One feel. Because Rocky One was such a drama. And they tried to do it with Rocky too. but if you guys recall that podcast, that did not work for me. Not for you, yes. <laughs> yes. But then Rocky 3, 4, and 5 were so flashy, so over the top, so almost Rambo-infused that it lost something to me. While I enjoy some of those films and I enjoy some moments in all of those films, it lost something. So to bring it back to the dramatic roots where there's not a lot of fighting, but there's characters I can get behind and just enjoy watching on screen for over two hours. This is the longest Rocky film ever and that I'm invested in their lives and that I'm invested in the relationships and I'm trying to connect to these characters. I mean, I put some hard demands on Adonis here. I'm like, I want to know your motivation for your father. I put a whole lot of weight on this, and that's because I was really clicking with the characters. And while I didn't think the romance was as important, I still liked it. And so, not only is this a recommend, this is my second favorite Rocky film ever. It's a far distance from the original. Everything worked in that original. But this one is up there. So, yeah, it's a high recommend. And I'm right there with you both. This is not my second favorite. Rocky 3 will always be. I <laughs> love that movie. I think we're all seeing a lot of the similar things here. I did like how they kept it the same. I do think they went back to the well too much. I did like the Bianca character more than you two did. I did like the romance. I loved the acting. I thought Michael B. Jordan was fantastic. I liked Stallone. I liked Tessa Thompson a lot. And I very much liked the director and what he was doing with the camera work. The lighting was great. How many times they walked out of darkness into light. Those kind of things. I really liked so many different elements. Yeah, the YouTube scene. That YouTube scene, amazing. So a lot of great touches, a lot of good ideas. And yes, they shadow boxed with the original movie a little too much for me. But at the end of the day, I really enjoyed the movie and had a really great time with seeing the Rocket character again and seeing this series take on a new life. I think now that they got this movie off their chests, I'm hoping the next one can have a more of an original story when Adonis wins the belt at the end, because that has to happen. <laughs> but getting there, I think they have a chance now to really tell us a more original story. So recommend for me as well. And I guess we'll talk about this again in a couple of years when they continue the Rocky series. Well, that's the question I have is, do you guys want Creed 2? I mean, just because we all recommended this film, there's so many movies where we feel, okay, you've told your story you have to tell, and... I don't need to see more. Like, I, I hear they're remaking Memento. I don't need that. I love Memento. I don't need Memento 2 or Memento the remake. Are you hungry for a return of Creed and to see if Rocky gets through the cancer and to see if Creed gets the belt? Or is this enough for you? Because I'm kind of ambivalent. I really enjoyed this film, but I don't know if I would want to see where they'd take it in the future. If they could take it new places, that would be a must for me. You had your nostalgia fest. Now you have to do something new. If they got the director back, if they got the two principals back and Bianca, maybe, then I'd certainly be excited to see it. But I don't know that I'm hungry for it. It all depends on that script. I don't know if I want Stallone back. I always feel like he overshadows whoever else is in the film. And I've said that going all the way back to those original Rocky films. Like, Clubber Lang should have been the focus of Rocky Three. That's why I loved the plot summary from Clubber's point of view. And Apollo, I wanted to know more about him. Here we get the Creed story, and yet there's so much Rocky, and we're going to get this cancer story that I, I don't know if these films would succeed, though, without Sylvester Stallone. I mean, this one 
one. They've upped the projected box office. They were surprised by Tuesday night preview sales. When I saw this, there's only about 10 people in the theater, but that's because I went at 9 o'clock in the morning, Black Friday, because I wanted to avoid crowds. I don't know if there's going to be a demand for a Rocky film without Rocky. You call it greed, call it whatever. I don't know how much of a demand, and I don't know if I want that. It really depends on the story, and these are formulaic movies. I'm done with that formula. I was done before we finished the Rocky series proper when we did this years ago. So it really depends on what they could come up with. I, I need something new. They're not going to do a sequel to this movie without Stallone. I know. They can do a third sequel or a fourth sequel without Stallone, but the next one has to have him in it. There's no way around it. No, he's he's got to die in it. Yeah, exactly right. He has to die on screen as this character. And he may never want to do that. I mean, he may have too much vanity tied up into it to ever let Rocky die. Exactly where I was going with that. So it's going to have to be like he's 75 or 80, and then he's content with it. There is a third option for Rocky. He reconnects with his son and moves to Vancouver. <laughs> I'm just saying, leaving a door open for Stallone to return. So so we don't see him die on screen. He just moves away. Yeah, that, and it would give him a, a subplot of reconnecting again with his son again. But it's an option, I'm just saying. It's not like the end of this film where I'm like, go the distance or win. It's like, there's there's things they could do, but I'm not sure if it'll happen. I mean, even s successful reboots like Friday the 13th, you know, they end up in development hell for so long and Stallone's pretty busy with his career right now. So I think we'd all have to see if he gets a nomination I think it's going to happen because he'll want to come back and <laughs> if he went the distance this time, he'll want to win Rocky win the next. But we've got a lot going on besides Rocky. I mean, next year, Brock, you're going to be joining us again because the third Star Trek film's finally coming out. Talk about sequels that have been in development for a long time. Indeed. But for our listeners who want to know what's coming up for us, because we've announced what we're doing through The Force Awakens. You know, we're ending with the holiday special right around New Year's as a final Star Wars what, punch in the gut? <laughs> but we've got a lot coming up in 2016. Everybody should know by this point that for our fall 2015 donation series, we're doing a lot of Tarantino, a whole lot of Tarantino. We're doing every Tarantino film that he directed, including the upcoming Hateful Eight. And for platinum donors, we're even doing Tarantino-related films, True Romance, Natural Born Killers, Four Rooms... From Dusk Till Dawn, and the biggie, Grindhouse. Well, we got so invested in some of that stuff we've reviewed that we're going to go deeper into Grindhouse in January. We're going to be doing Machete and Machete Kills. Along with Hobo with a Shotgun. We'll, we'll talk about how that's related to Grindhouse when we get to it. So two more films by Robert Rodriguez, then Hobo with a Shotgun, which... I have not seen as of this recording. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I've heard a lot about it. I didn't even realize it was Grindhouse Connected. Then we're going to be going into some of the stuff. Remember early this year, we had our Kickstarter for the first now playing book. Well, we're reaching the conclusion of the writing phase of that book. And we have some listener picks for podcasts. And so after we get through Hobo with a Shotgun, we're going to be doing two picks that listeners who back the Kickstarter have chosen. Ooh. And I don't think these titles have even been announced. I don't think so. <laughs> Get ready. People wanted this one. The first one is Masters of the Universe starring Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. How to tie into the Rocky series, too. How brilliant. <laughs> 
And then the other one, it's one Stuart and I have mentioned, or at least the director, now playing as a, a tepid history with animation, but we both talked about our love for Miyazaki and anime, and so the other one is Princess Mononoke. Very intriguing. I'm actually not on that review. The backers got to pick the host, but I will be watching that movie. I gotta miss out on Masters of the Universe. Darn. (laughs) (laughs) And then... We're back into spandex and capes. No, not us personally, although for the right donation, we might. I mean, people have emailed us because it's been a while since we've done a movie based on DC Comics. We kind of did a whole bunch of them, and then we stepped away for a while, basically, because we had Stephen King and a whole lot else going on. But Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is coming out next March, and I'm jazzed for it. I think these trailers look really good. I still have a mixed history with Zack Snyder. We all do. We all do, man. (laughs) But I'm excited to see where they go with this. So we're going to be doing quite a few DC Comics movies. Stardust, the only film I have not seen directed by Matthew Vaughn. A film I was chastised for mocking during when the trailer was released during San Diego Comic-Con. Because it's Robert De Niro as a fantasy pirate. And Michelle Pfeiffer's in that too, right? Yes, she is. And there's some serious Superman ties going on in there. Henry Cavill is in it, who of course is our current Man of Steel. And Peter O'Toole, who everyone of course remembers from Supergirl. He got out of the Phantom Zone. Good for him. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, we're, we're... Not everything, you know, we've done History of Violence and Road to Perdition. Not everything is tights and capes, and this is a personal favorite of mine. It's, you know, just like we found a way to do Tank Girl under DC, we're going to be doing American Splendor. DC published some of the comics. This is one of my favorites. It's it's kind of a biopic. Not really. It's it, We'll get into it, but about the life and times of Harvey P. Carr, someone that I've talked to and interviewed, and so I'm really looking forward to getting to American Splendor. Yeah, and even one you picked for the book, too. Yeah, it was, it was one of my original picks. It dropped out because it did receive a major Academy Award nomination, so I, I dropped it out. I still think it's underrated, especially as a comic book film. And then, leading up to Batman v Superman, we have a bunch of movies we're grouping together as the DC Teams films. For example, Watchmen. People email and are like, do you know you haven't reviewed Watchmen? <laughs> we know we, we have not forgotten Watchmen. We had a plan all along. But then some other interesting picks in here. My personal favorite that I fought for, and I'm so glad it's on the schedule, Legend of the Superheroes. I watched that live on TV in the 70s. Oh, yeah, we're going back to your 70s TV superhero love. Ghetto Man, Jacob, Ghetto Man. I'm sure people will look forward to Stuart's pain on that one. Then one I'm not very familiar with, Gen 13. Neither am I. I didn't know that ever. I guess that's another TV movie. I never knew that got a film made out of it. And finally, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The film that got Sean Connery to retire from acting. (laughs) You'd think he'd want to do one more, you know, and on a good note, Sean. No, that was it. He, he took that role, I think, because he passed on The Matrix and Lord of the Rings. He was looking for a franchise movie, and that just did not work out for him. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, I wasn't smart enough to take those other films, but this will be the next big thing. I better take it. We'll talk about it. Another based on Alan Moore comic, and yeah, we, we know how Alan Moore feels about the film adaptations. Now, I know this is not DC, but... 
it's Marvel, but you guys aren't covering Deadpool. You guys skipped over that in February. Isn't that coming out for Valentine's Day? I was talking about our DC films, but yes. After The Force Awakens, our next theatrical review, Between Stardust and American Splendor, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, bucking the trend. We, we thought once Disney got Marvel, there would never be an R-rated Marvel film again. We'd never get another Punisher film, but they're going R-rated here with Deadpool. I'm interested to see what happens. Well, this is not a Disney film. Yeah, it's 20th Century Fox still owns the rights to Deadpool. Okay. I mean, I'm sure Marvel has some level of approval, but they're doing this on their own. And it's, I'll tell you, when that initial footage of Deadpool, the test footage leaked while I was at San Diego Comic-Con a couple years ago, I nearly wept that that movie wasn't going to get made. I think I'm not alone because it was the buzz around that that finally got Ryan Reynolds back in spandex tights. And so we will be doing that for Valentine's Day in February. We have a history of doing, yes, very romantic films. Kingsman, Ghost Rider, Die Hard. Hey, Kingsman is in the running for my favorite film of 2015. So if Deadpool can do that at the same slot, good on them. We'll find out next year. So that's what's coming up for the first quarter of 2016. And remember, all of this we're doing is funded by listener donations. Without your support, we couldn't do any of the shows we're doing, including the Star Wars retrospective. And I'm going to, for people who didn't hear our Spectre review, kind of reiterate what I said there. I've heard from a lot of people that they don't want to donate because they feel they're buying podcasts and they don't want to buy Hunger Games. They don't want to buy Tarantino. We don't sell podcasts. We do podcasts for free every week without fail with no vacations. Those are free every Tuesday on what we call Totally Free Tuesday. The podcasts we do every Tuesday are funded by you, our listener, and we're pretty much crowdsourced in that regard. Without listener donations, the show would end. It must end. It's an expensive show to keep going, and there's only so much we can do out of pocket of our own on this. We need listener support. And I even saw one person say they're not going to donate because they don't want to support Tarantino because of political things. None of this money's going to Quentin. If Quinn wants to call me for a cut, I'll take that call. But this money is going to do the show we do every week. And like I said on Spectre, some people said, well, I'm not going to donate. I would have donated if you made Star Wars the donation series. It's donations that allowed us to do Star Wars. So please, if you enjoy the show we do, consider donating. The levels are $10 for silver, which gets Hunger Games and Battle Royale. $25 gets all that, plus the nine Tarantino-directed films. $35 gets you the whole kit and caboodle with all the grindhouse extras and the others I mentioned earlier. But if you enjoy the show we do and you don't want these, you can still throw us a few bucks. You can donate $5 just to support the show. Donate $10 and you get these extra podcasts you can listen to if you want at a later time. But we really could use your support, and I thank everyone who's donated so far, and thank you in advance to anyone who can donate in the upcoming weeks. I know it's the holidays, I know funds are tight, but we could really use your support. And thanks for having me back, guys. I had a great time returning, and I look forward to returning next year for Star Trek. And who knows, guys, maybe we'll be back in the ring with another Creed soon. So if it does happen, I'll see you next round. I can't believe this has happened. We can't. And I just want to say thanks to Apollo for fighting me, Apollo. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the now-playing Rocky Retrospective Series. Why this fighter of limited ability has gained such popularity is such a mystery. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we get in the ring and review another film. When I leave you, you'll not only know how to fight, you'll be able to take care of yourself outside the ring. Mickey loves you. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other films such as Rambo, The Avengers Films, The Karate Kid, Terminator, X-Men, and many more. It makes a man a better man. We wish to educate your country. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss these films with other listeners. Don't listen to it, Rocky. No, do listen to it, Rocky. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the host posts movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. Very American. It's very smart. And remember, after this you owe me a favor. What favor? Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Mr. Gazzo says I should get the 200 to break your thumb. You understand? Please. Huh? Please. Give me some money. Give me some money. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. What are you going to do with the money? Well, the first thing I got to do is I got to pay the rent, you know. Now Playing's Rocky Retrospective Series is edited by Heath and Arnie. Don't worry. (laughs) I'll clean it up for you, bully. Now Playing is not affiliated with MGM or United Artists, and no infringement is intended. Seems like lately everybody wants to beat me up. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. I pity the fool, and I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. So, it's all over. on the subway in san francisco it's based on those events lots of critical praise but michael b jordan michael b jordan yeah ryan coogler oh, oh okay i'm like yeah, that's his right name <laughs> i went for, i went for the wrong guy <laughs> scotty pippen yeah you did me and apollo is and adonis is raised in her household and the apollo adonis thing I, i'm gonna do that a lot tonight i think <laughs> Both Greek gods, both start with A. You did me. A chance to become a boxing champ. World light heavyweight champion. Pretty wiki. Wiki. (laughs) You did me. So in 1998, we could say Adonis is 12. And then jumping forward to present day, Adonis would be about 30. Oh, shit. Ding. Light bulb went off Arnie's head. (laughs) (laughs) 
You did me. And then we get Connolly, and he's best for pound for pound in the world. So I'm like, okay, we're taking incremental steps here. It's Conlon, by the way. Oh. I don't know if you want to say that. I always get him confused with Billy Connolly. I don't know why. (laughs) The Scottish comedian? Yes. (laughs) Okay. You did me. Did you guys think it rang false when Gonna Fly Now? Actually, it wasn't Gonna Fly Now. I think it's called Go the Distances, the track that they play during the final fight. Because this is oh, a lot of mic bumping. Tapping. Yeah, okay. A lot of tapping there. Uh, okay. Hold on. Hold on one second, though. Um, that wasn't me. That okay. was that. That was two children running above me. Let me ah. let me tell my wife to make them stop running. They can not run. Can't run. We can hear it. Okay. Sorry, guys. But we're nearing the end. They can run in a half yeah. hour. Oh yeah, they know. <laughs> they know. They're 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 good. Have to put the leash on. <laughs> Duct tape, woman. Duct tape. You did me. I never got that from Apollo. I got that Apollo wanted to win. And so that he doesn't. Adonis. Adonis. You said Apollo uh, again. <laughs> I, I never got that from Adonis. I told you to do that. I'll fuck up on gas. You did me. Yeah. And even one you picked for the book, too. Yeah, it was it was one of my original picks. It dropped out because it did receive a major Academy Award nomination. So I, I dropped it out. I still think it's underrated, especially as a comic book film. <laughs> That's funny. I thought it was still in the book because Marjorie watched it the no. other day. I guess she was just watching it for fun. I thought she was watching yeah, it for the book. How dare she nope. watch movies for fun? We have reviews to write. We don't have time for that. We got like 100 movies to watch. Yeah. You did me. But we could really use your support. Brock, take us out. Yeah, I didn't want to do a transition like yeah, like the, like from that was it <laughs> trading places. I was about to say yeah, <laughs> but I caught myself. <laughs> oh man, that would be funny. Uh, like, that would be really funny, but I couldn't do. It. I, I caught myself in the middle of saying it. Okay, you did me.